Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, take them out and turn to Amos chapter 2. Amos chapter 2. And I, I love that song. How many know Jesus changes everything? Yes. Anybody experienced Jesus and he changed everything in your life? He changed every aspect of your life when he comes in. I want to tell you, that, that's good news this morning, isn't it? It's, it's good news. It's good news for the Jew. It's good news for the Gentile, the young, the old, the forgotten, the broken, the hurting. That Jesus, that Jesus truly changes everything. And uh, it's not, I believe, just to kind of make it through to eternity, but I believe he changes everything right now for our communities and where we live, that our job is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, amen? That when Jesus enters our life and enters our heart, he changes everything, and now we get to be that change agent to our communities. How many know when we do that, it changes marriages? How many of it changed your marriage? That should should be all of you, right? (laughs) Jesus changed He changes marriages, it changes families, it changes the way we raise our kids, it changes the way we look at our neighbors, it changes the way we treat one another. Jesus, his way changes everything, doesn't it? Amen, amen. We, uh, we are, have been in our series on, uh, on, on the, the minor prophets. And we're looking at the book of Amos this morning. Uh, if you're joined us for our first time today, please come back. Uh, Pastor Larry is actually at our Ridgeville campus. Uh, they have launched just uh, a couple of weeks ago, and so he's visiting them, sharing vision and heart with them. And uh, if you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to come back, hear him. How many know we're blessed with one of the greatest communicators in the country right here every single week? Uh, he is our senior leader. He has a vision for our community. He has a vision for you guys, and, and we are blessed. I'm a little biased but uh, we are blessed to have him. Uh, we're in this teaching called Forgotten Voices, and we're focusing on this, this group of minor prophets. And this group of minor prophets, they're often kind of forgotten by their own people. They're these little guys tucked away in the back of the Old Testament. And even they're forgotten by many Christians today. But yet, is, if you study them, man, it is powerful of the things that they've walked through, the things that they went through. And also, I believe it's powerful application for us as a church body. Uh, one of the things we've been learning in here is that these prophets, they kind of lived out their names. Their names actually had very significant meanings of the time. And in week one, we looked at Jonah. I want to encourage if you missed any of these, get, get the podcast, download it, get it from our app, get, it, it's all good stuff. Jonah, Jonah was the dove. He brought a message of peace and hope to Nineveh, and it was the challenge to be obedient in the calling. Uh, We looked at Hosea, probably my favorite story. Hosea actually means salvation. And we looked at how Hosea was called to marry a prostitute by the name of Gomer. By the way, Gomer means completion. How many know Jesus is our Hosea? He recklessly pursues us. He'll go to the highways and byways and he will search for us till he finds us and we are made complete in him. That's a good one. Uh, Habakkuk or Habakkuk or... Habakkuk, however you want to say it. It actually means to wrestle or to embrace. And we we talked about understanding of what we kind of do when we don't understand all of God's outcomes, but we embrace him 
and, and trust in what he has done. How many of you have, have, he's done some things for you in the past. We, we trust in what he has done, so now we can trust in what he's doing, and we trust in what he will do, the, the aspect of trust with Habakkuk. And then we talked about Micah last week, and Micah's name means, who is like our God? And that called us back to the foundations. It called us back to humbly get back to the foundation to forgive and show compassion and mercy. This week, we're looking at a character by the name of Amos. And Amos's name actually means burden or heavy load. Burden or heavy load. And I will tell you, this message is heavy. And uh, I'm, it's, uh, typically I love sharing story and laughing and all that stuff, but this message is heavy. So I'm gonna ask for you to hang with me. It's a little bit heavier uh, because uh, Amos is carrying a message on an indictment of Israel's sin and what they're walking through. At the same time, it's an indictment of what they have forgotten to do. And so there's this tension between the burden of what, hey, they're in sin, there is judgment for that sin, and yet at the same time, there's all these things that, that they have left out. So we're going to look at this indictment this morning, and we're going to dive into it very practically application for us. Uh, kind of give you some background of, of what's happening before we get to chapter two. Chapter one, God promises judgment on Israel's neighbors. And if you're Israel, that's great. Yeah, wipe them all out. They're all mean. We don't like them, you know. And so he promises judgment. He goes after kind of the, the Philistines, the Edomites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, all the ites that are around them. And he says they're, they're going to be judged. And they're going to be judged because of, of their idol worship and that they're direct enemies of God. And what you're finding is that as we get to chapter 2, as we get to our text, there's a turn. That, that Judah now realizes that this prophecy goes out is that we're living like all the others. We're, we're actually part of the same family as the foreigners. We're, we're worshiping other gods. We, we have forsaken God's commandments. We're, we're not doing what he's called us to do. We're actually doing the same thing. And so Amos actually prophesies to Israel that says, hey, there is, there's, some, there's some punishment coming and there's some things that I'm holding against you. So I know you just got comfortable, but stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning. Amos, Amos chapter two. Amos chapter two, we're gonna pick up at verse six. Amos chapter two, verse six. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Israel, even four, I will not relent. They sell the innocent for silver, the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground. They deny justice to the oppressed. Father and son use the same girl as so to profane my holy name. They lie down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. In the house of their God, they will drink wine taken as fines. Father, today, Lord, as I... So I've been wrestling with this message, God. You know it's a heavy, heavy topic. There's a burden here, and there's a calling for the church. And so, God, I pray that, Lord, you would anoint this word. You would use it to bring transformation, a stirring in us. And, God, we would leave here changed and different because of your word. God, we love you, Jesus. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As you're seated, uh, tell your neighbor they look good in their coat. Their jacket looks good. <laughs> on them. You've been waiting to break that out. 
Amos tell, tells of Israel's kind of in this passage and a little bit past it that there are four major sins. Uh, and I, I want you to get these. There's perversion of justice for profit. So there's a perversion of justice for profit. Number two is there is now profit by oppressing the poor. The third one is there's sexual perversion going on. And number four is that there's fornication and idolatry happening. I mean, no, that sounds like our world, our world today. There's perversion of justice, we're pressing the poor, sexual perversion, idolatry, all these things going on. Now, I will say in, in church, and if you've been here for any time, we deal a lot with the issues on sexual immorality and idolatry. We talk about holiness quite a bit in here, and many of us say amen. However, there, there's not been much said about these first two things, about the sins that were a part of this indictment. See, this word social justice is, is a hot topic right now, and uh, there are so many, so many different ideas of what social justice is. A lot of times, depending on what generation you're in, sometimes we're either very passionate about it or we care little of it at all. And we're somewhere in, or maybe somewhere in between. And the challenge for the church is this social justice, I believe, is a commandment of the Lord. Social justice or, or, or caring is a commandment of the Lord. It's not a political agenda, but if it's Christ-centered social justice, it, it really goes beyond, how many of you know, just the temporary need of, of fixing, but it actually goes to the heart issue that can lead to life-forming transformation, Christ-centered, Christ-centered social justice. Amos is in this 8th century BC prophet. He's living and ministering probably around the same time as Hosea, and much of Amos's message is focused on, on the judgment falling on Israel because of their idolatry and their lack of caring. Their lack of caring, their lack of social injustice. In fact, he's probably talks about this issue more than any other minor prophet. Amos's world, it was similar to ours. Israel is at the height of economic prosperity. Everything is going great. They are wealthy, they are powerful, but how many know often as when wealth and power are at a rise, spiritual decay tends to creep in? Somewhere along the lines of that, Israel found itself in the natural tendency to lean more on themselves, more on their wealth, more on their finances instead of of the Lord. It's kind of like we don't need God. We have it, we have it all. One more important piece of information as we, as we dive into the notes this morning, before we jump in there, when it talks about social, injust, social justice in Amos, social justice in the Old Testament primarily dealt with groups of people. It dealt with the widow, the orphan, the poor, and the foreigner, or the immigrant. And throughout Deuteronomy, the Old Testament law, we read Israel is to treat these people fairly and they're to treat them justly. So keep in mind as we talk about those who are oppressed in the book of Amos, these are the, this is the group that we're talking about. In our passage, our text, it, it gives us kind of this window, these, these four little verses that we read, it gives us the window of what's happening in Israel. In verse six, we read, literally the wealthy are selling the poor. They're selling the poor, meaning they're involved in slavery, which just a side note, uh, slavery is still an issue today. It, it's not some foreign act that died out years ago. In fact, there are more slaves on the planet now than any other time in human history. 
Charleston is one of the leading sex slave ports on the East Coast. I don't know if you knew that. Right here, right here. That's why, just a side note, Christ-centered organizations locally like Doors to Freedom, they rescue girls caught in trafficking. That's why that stuff, it's so, so important. It's happening. And this is the indictment. This is what's going on in Amos' day. Verse, verse 7 gives us an indicator about the judicial system. Namely, it doesn't exist. It says they trample on the heads of the poor as on dust. Who's being trampled here? It's the poor. It's the widows. It's the orphan. It's the suffering. The injustice is occurring in the court, and the wealthy and powerful are getting away with crimes. This is what's going on. Verse 8, he addresses the fact, and it's kind of, kind of tucked in here, they kept the collateral of the poor, these garments and these tunics. You see, in the Old Testament, particularly Deuteronomy 24, there was a time when people, the poor, they would give actually their cloaks or their garments for collateral. It would be their, kind of their down payment, their collateral, their security loan. Then, because we weren't allowed to treat people that way, when it came night or when the cold came, they had to give the cloak back. So it was like they had to give the cloak back as God's way of reminding, it was a commandment as God's way of reminding Israel that people are what matters. Care for people is important. And it makes it that they've got these garments and they're laying on them. And there's, there's there's no care. Israel strayed further from God and the people started to observe, it says, their own pagan religious festivals. It says every altar, and notice how it points out, the house of their gods. Their own people, because of this, begin to suffer. Their own people begin to suffer at the hands of their fellow fellow man. Now, this indictment against Israel, this was the heavy burden of Amos. This is our heavy burden this morning. I wanna give you, and I know it's kinda serious, but I wanna give you two very practical applications this morning on this topic, this hot button issue. If you have your bulletins, you can take them out and follow along with this. How do we, how do we as Christ followers engage? Number one is we embrace Christ-centered, you need to underline that, social justice. We embrace Christ-centered social justice. Now, I want you to get this. There is a definite link between Israel's idolatry and their lack of care. Say that again. There is a definite link between Israel's idolatry and their lack of care, their lack of concern, their lack of justice. It was the pattern that whenever God's people engaged in idolatry, lack of social justice became the byproduct of their sin. They neglected the poor, they forgot the widow, the orphan, and they oppressed the immigrant. That's what happened as idolatry increased. In fact, the, the way we treat this, the least of these, I mean, in Matthew 25, the fulfillment of that, actually reflects the condition of our heart. You guys with me this morning? The way we treat the least of these actually affects the condition. It actually gives us a window, reflects the condition of our heart. That's why when someone's heart belongs to the Lord, naturally, they're going to be, long for, they're, they're going to be involved in caring. Naturally, it's going to flow out of them to do something. Naturally, they're going to see that those are God's creations with infinite value and worth, and they need me. That's, it naturally flows out of the heart of someone who belongs to the Lord. And so, so when God deals with social justice in scripture, he's speaking not to just an issue, not to just a political thing, not to just an issue, he's speaking to the root problem, which is the heart. 
He's speaking to the root problem, which is the heart, the condition of our heart. Proverbs 14.31, just an example. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Proverbs 29.7, the righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no concern. New Testament fulfillment, James, James 1.27, and this one's powerful. Religion that our God our Father accepts, pure worship, you can say that, put that in there too, or, or offerings that our, our God the Father accepts are pure and faultless. These are the ones he's looking for, to look after the orphan, the widow, and the distressed, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. There are over 300 verses which deal with the responsibility of the church, of the people of God, to care for the marginalized. And we can't ignore it, it's in, it's in there. Now, now, if Christians have this spiritual obligation to care for them, I think what James is pointing out, not only are we supposed to make it clear, but Christ has got to be the center of that care. It's gotta be centered around Jesus, so we're not allowed to let the world infiltrate that and corrupt that. James talking about the end of it, the distinction should be is that, that we are Christ followers. And as Christ followers, social justice then reflects the heart of God. You see, the heart of God, how many know it always goes beyond meeting the physical need? How many, how many know when, when God healed you, he didn't just heal your body, he healed your soul? You know, when God saved you, when he, when, he, when he took that addiction away, he just didn't take that addiction away, he gave you purpose, he gave you life, he gave you direction. How many, how many had that experience? And so, so that's God's motive. It's always, it's always to address the deeper spiritual need of the soul. So that's why Jesus is at the center of our food banks. That's why when we pass, it's, it's Jesus is at, at the center of our medical clinics, our book bag giveaways, our clothing giveaways. He's at the center of our prison ministries, caring for the widow and residents of nursing home. That's the reason why we do things like Convoy of Hope, that it's giving to the needy. We're helping feed those in need and helping with disaster relief. And, and we're loving as God loves. How many know compassion opens up the door? You ever had someone just be kind to you that open up? And at first you're like, what? what do you want? That's American skepticism right there. Someone gives you something with nothing in return. There's gotta be a catch. What's it? No, when we are compassionate because we love God, it opens up the door, it softens the heart, it takes away the jadedness and allows God's presence and his Holy Spirit to convict and move. Gives, gives hope, allows the brokenness to be healed, the freedom. See, we don't just meet someone's physical needs, we want them to encounter Jesus. Because Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything, it's what sets us apart. God made sure people were cared for in the Old Testament because this physical act of caring for the poor, the orphan, and the widow reflected God, reflected his, his love. Again, Matthew 25, the least of these it's a reminder of the importance that the physical need is there, but the spiritual need, that's the answer, is Jesus. So if our hearts are right with God, what happens, what happens is he starts to move us and he starts to mold us, and as we see people hurting, our job is to do what? Our job is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, right? How many know you have an assignment and that's our job? So what do we need to do? What does heaven look like? We got a little glimpse. There's no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hurt. How many know the answer of that all is Jesus? 
How many know we have the good news of Jesus living inside of us? So my job as a Christ follower is when I see brokenness, hey, the answer is Jesus. Let me help you with that. When I see, her, when I see pain, when I see tears, my job as a Christ angel is, is to embrace that as I bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Amen? Amen. Number two. Number two. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. As we embrace Christ-centered social justice, we need to remember that this is our calling. Now, here's here's where this thing gets a little crazy because it can kind of get political because often wealth is at the center of social justice. And there are human-centered movements of social justice that use words like redistributing and and, and they can even shame wealth to, to an extent. But Christ, Christ-centered response, what does it focus on? It focuses on the blessing that we have is used to bless others. The, the, just a side note, welfare is the job of the church. I mean, keep going. I get off, I get off for a little bit. Huh? Christ-centered focuses us, it it shifts us to move. What God has given me, I give out. Um, Some of you aren't tracking with me. If we go back to the original calling of patriarch Abraham. Uh, Abraham in Genesis, at the end of Genesis 11, uh, he's got his father, Terah. They move uh, land. Uh, His brother dies. He's got his nephew, Lot. And he's got Abram and Sarai who are barren. And you kind of get this crazy story, this start out story, and they move and they settled in Haran and they're there for a while. And, uh, and I often question, I'm like, did Terah, Abraham's father, miss the promise? Anybody question that? Why did he stop at Haran? Why didn't he go further through the promise? You know, the picture that God is trying to do, if you look at the original Hebrew text, he is pointing out, it lines up perfectly. He's pointing out no and loss over and over again. He's, he, he's, pointing, he's pointing that out. It, it lines it up there that there's no loss. There is a father who has no land. He has lost a son and Abraham and his wife, so they have no children. So there's no, no inheritance. Now here's the catch. This is the one God chose, chooses to pour out his blessing on. This is the one God gives his grace and blessing to freely, a man with no inheritance and somewhat nothing to offer. What is that? That is the demonstration right here. How many know that is grace? From the very foundation of God's people, he was demonstrating grace. From the very foundation of God's people, he was demonstrating grace. The idea that I will bless you when you don't deserve it. The idea that I will give you and I expect nothing back in return. One chapter later, this blessing comes to fruition in the form of a covenant. He says, I will give you the the sand and the stars. You guys guys know the, the, the covenant blessing of Abraham. So now listen, Abraham is chosen and there's a tagline on this covenant. I will bless you so that you will bless the other nations. I will give you all of this fruit, all of this blessing. I will be with you. I will guide you. I will direct you so that you will be a blessing to other nations. Now, the original covenant between God and his people, what does it say? I will call you out. How many have been called out? God called you out of some stuff. 
Anybody called out in here? We have a church of the called out. I've called you out. I've given you purpose. How many of you chased everything? Some of like Aaron's story. You chased everything. You tried everything. You went everything. And God called you out and he made a difference. Anybody, is that anybody's story in here? God, I will call you out. I will give you grace. And when he called me out, he took my sin and forgave it. Done. Finished. As far as the east to the west to be remembered no more. Anybody thankful that God doesn't hold your sin against you? He gives you grace and he gives you mercy. And not only that, what does he do? How many are blessed in here? Has God's given you blessing far more than you deserve? Anybody wake up this morning? You're blessed. You drove here in a car. You're blessed. God blessed. He has blessed you. He's blessed you. But it doesn't stop there. So you can be a blessing. Let me say that again. So you can be a blessing. So you can be a conduit of that blessing, of that grace, of that mercy, of that calling out. So you can be a blessing. So you can let everybody know that Jesus changes everything. Changes everything. Israel forgot that in Amos' day. They forgot that they were blessed to be a blessing to others. They forgot they were a conduit of his grace. In fact, some other scriptures in Amos, Amos chapter four, it compares the wealthy in this time to fat cows. All you do is hoard. All you do is get more. They, 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 he dives into a little bit of the area of Samaria, which has this amazing fertile value, and it's a prosperous region in this capital city. And we get this description, and he says, you are complacent while others suffer. Your greed has taken you to extravagance. Not only that, you're throwing your money and you're flaunting it wherever you go. All the while, your neighbor is suffering, hurting, and broken. Now, Scripture, just to, just to soften this a little bit, Scripture in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says that the love of money is the root of what? It's the root of all kinds of evil. And people often stop right there, but if you continue to read that verse, it says, and some people are craving money or greed, have wandered from the true faith, and they have pierced themselves with many sorrows. I want to just free you up. It's okay to have money as long as money doesn't have you. It's this hoarding where we become the fat cow more and more. God's desire is that we become a blessing by sharing what he has given us, those who are suffering. And listen, it's not the redistributing, it's not political, it's Christ-centered social justice that stems from a result of you and I knowing that we've been saved, we've been called, we've been blessed, we've received, we've received this grace, and so now I, look at this, get to... Share that with others. I'm a blessing to be a blessing. I, I just want to enlighten you this morning. America as a whole, we are blessed. We're partly blessed because of our amazing veterans. We are, we are blessed because of the freedoms we have, because of what we get to do, and because of how rich our society is and our, our, our nation is. We have favor. We live in favor. Do you know that the average income worldwide is a little less than 10000 and if you take, take kind of the, the wealthy nations out of that for a moment, the, the kind of big three or four in there, one-third of the world's population earns $2 a day. God has blessed us. He's blessed us not to hoard, but to be a blessing, to give to the least. We have a responsibility to spread this gospel, to share this grace, to share this love. There are so many ways that faith church is that 
that we love the least of these. We'll be launching our Libra campus soon in the very near future. It's coming, I promise. It will not only reach the lives of the prisoners, but it's amazing. We've been having some intentional conversations of opportunity to actually work with the kids of the inmates. And there's ministries out there where these, I don't know if you know this, the statistic of an inmate's child, eight out of 10 children will be back in the, in the prison. We, we have an opportunity to partner with, with this, this kind of a ministry that's coming out and we're working on it right now that will actually turn the hearts of the children. We move back to the fathers and, and bring spiritual mentors in this thing going on. It's phenomenal what God's gonna do. I mean, you know, that's, that's orphan. That's, that's the care. That's what we're called, we're called to do. During the holidays, man, our, our food banks are up all year long. During the holidays, there's specific, uh, specific instances on, on hundreds of families and coat drives and giveaways and Thanksgiving drives. And we have volunteers who have traveled into disaster relief over the past month. We're partnering with Convoy of Hope through one day to assist, to assist all the programs, the feeding programs in poor countries like Nepal, Africa, India, Latin America, and Haiti. Some of the poorest countries in the world, we get to be a blessing, a conduit of grace to them. At Christmas time, we do gift card trees and we give to our, our local people here who are struggling and hurting and broken. We have a garage ministry that cares for uh, the widow's cars. Like, like these kind of things are happening. We're ministering and that's happening. But here's the catch. It's just the beginning. Let me stop right there again. It's just the beginning of what God's calling us to do. There's so many ways to get involved. And here's the catch Everyone in here, you must understand that we love you and you have a calling and a purpose on your life. And I'm not speaking in it. Let me just narrow that down to be a blessing to others. That's your calling and that's your purpose. God's entrusted us with this wealth, not to hoard it, but to bless. So I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you. Take moments and, and give generously. Give, give to God first. Do you know that, that giving breaks the, the stronghold of greed? It does, it's a proven, and, and there's always a tagline that we use at church, you can't outgive. And the more you give away, he just blesses, and that's, that's what he does. Here's the catch, Israel failed to listen to Amos' message. They drifted further and further from God, and because of that, their own people, their neighbors suffered injustice. Finally, in 722 BC, the Syrian Empire destroys the nation. Listen carefully this morning. We are our brother's keeper. We are our brother's keeper. You and me have the responsibilities to care for the suffering and the oppressed and the marginalized. And you and I also with that, we have an opportunity to bring life change and transformation because we have Jesus. He changes. He changes everything. That's why God's calling us. That's why we keep planting campuses. That's why we keep going to new cities. That's why Lieber and Ridgeville and Walterboro, it, it's, to, it's to make those changes. And we, we wanna do it with Christ as a center because we are blessed. We are blessed. And we are blessed to be, to be a blessing. And when we meet those physical needs, that's, that hardened heart, that spiritual stuff that's been bottled up starts to open up and it frees and it changes and it moves and it gives grace. I'm asked the band to slip up. I've been, um, just to be transparent with you, I've been wrestling with this message for some time. And I, I wanna just, I just, just open up some things Maybe to consider for you and for me, 
It's the question, what happens when you and I thrive in our wealth? What happens when we thrive in our careers? Take it smaller, what happens when we thrive in our own pursuits, in our own agenda, our own motives? This is the Lord, he's talking to me. He says, Jason, are you creating idols in your life? Are they, are they hoarding your time and your energy and your efforts? You see, the pattern displayed is that whenever there was wealth and or idolatry, the marginalized were forgotten. Is this the case for us? Is this the case for you? Is this the case for me? Do we see those around us who are hurting? See, we are, we are being called, and we have always been called. Let me say that again from Scripture. We are being called and have always been called on Christ-centered social justice because it reflects the very heart of God. We are being called, and we have always been called from the very beginning to be a blessing, that that grace and blessing that's been demonstrated to us were to be a conduit so we can demonstrate it to others. I'm telling you what, God, God convicted me. This kind, of, this kind of movement in your life, as you commit to it, as you open up your heart to it, it will be messy. And the Lord spoke to me and he just said, Jason, are, are you willing to be uncomfortable? Can, can you lift up your eyes from, from your agenda and your stuff and your things? Listen, I know we're busy, everybody's busy. I got four kids, we're, we're busy. But can you be interruptible? Do you walk around and see people the way I see them? Or are you jaded? Man, in our political unrest that we're in right now, it is absolutely crazy. Are you jaded? What I'm finding, what I'm finding in myself as I, it wakes me up at night. As I, as I look at Jesus, I look at, I look at what he does with people. I look at who he invites to his table. I look at who he spends his time with ministering. And I look at how he reached and how he taught and how, how he got back to all of this. It's about, it's about grace. It's about love. And if I just step back just for a moment and view what he's done for me with all of my nose, with all of my insecurities, with all of my doubts, with all of my failures, he still called me out, gave me grace, and gave me blessing. If I just look at that, man, it'll change. It'll change the way you see people. When was the last time we, we did that? Jesus changes everything. 
I believe truly for a church and what our leadership has been walking through. He's wanting us to do more. To, to reach more, to love more, to do more. This message is by no way the indictment that it was in Amos, but it's a challenge to us to wake up, to be uncomfortable, to be okay with loving and looking and being around people that may not be you, your political agenda, your skin color, who you are, that may, that's, that may be different, it may be a challenge, it may be a stretch, and it, and it may cause you to be uncomfortable to invite those people to your table. And I wonder if that's the problem. I wonder if our uncomfortability is the problem because Jesus has called you and me to the broken, the dying, the hurting, the lost. And yet we're surrounding our tables with entirely whole people. Man, he's got, he's got a calling and a purpose and a destiny for your life. Because here's what I believe. I believe God that if we let him, if we truly let him, he'll, he'll start birthing things in your heart. Man, this is for somebody. What if you dreamed again? What if you dream? What if you had the Holy Spirit dream again? What if he started birthing things in your heart? Stuff that he did a long time ago, he can do it again. What if the Holy Spirit would awaken things inside of you? Would change the way you see, would change the way you love, would change the way you spend your time, your energy, and your money. Here's what he does. If, if you do that, if you let him in, he'll, he'll use you. Well, Pastor Jason, you don't understand my story. You don't understand my background. You don't understand my barrenness. My wife, she can't have a baby. I'm old. With God, all things are possible. And he starts to awaken stuff inside of you. And what he does is he takes your story, he takes your mistakes, he takes it, he mixes it with your passion. He starts to awaken things inside of you. He gives you ideas, he gives you dreams, he gives you new vision, he gives you new sight. And the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro through a heart that would be humble and submitted to him so he can use them to reach this world. And he'll do it, he'll do it. So what stops us, faith? What stops us? See, he'll do things in your heart. He'll do things to the person sitting next to you. And he'll use you together and he'll start to awaken something. It'll be messy, but I promise you it'll be beautiful. Some of you come to a church like this because it's big. I know you. I'm not calling out the balcony or the back rows, but you like it because you can slip in and slip out. Let me tell you, he's got a group of people, he's got brains, he's got systems, he's got things that he wants to bring together for our future here at Faith Assembly. It's not dependent on a pastoral staff, it's dependent on a congregation who's excited about seeing the lost be found. That's what he wants to do. He wants to use you. As a church, we wanna know that where we're going, we wanna invest in this. I just challenge you for a moment. There is a younger millennial generation that is desperate to do something. And there is a church as a whole that is not doing anything. And they're shipping out. And they're checking out. And they have crazy ideas. I get to sit at tables with them. Their ideas are wild. 
They're crazy. But you know what they need? They need spiritual, spiritual fathers and mothers to come in and not be skeptics, but be encouragers. They need people to come in and not be critics, but be champions to the next generation. Hey, you know, I tried that here and this, and let's get coffee together and let's talk about this and let's move it. Hey, come to my small group. We'd love to hear your ideas. We'd love to adopt that plan. We'd love to reach out to the homeless and the marginal. And they, they want to be a part. It's not, it's not us versus them. We're dying to do something. I want to tell you, when we open up to Jesus and he starts to change everything, it, it affects every generation affects every generation can you just say with me church can you just say hey I'm tired of being comfortable any of you just tired of being comfortable can I just also speak this into you you're called you're called to greatness you're called to be that conduit of grace and he may take you to a land that you don't know he may take you to a place some of you are like why in the world am I in Charleston South Carolina right now I came from Ohio, so everybody did. Why am I here? You're here for this season. You're here for purpose. You're here for dreams. You're here for destiny to take place right here and right now. Listen, this year I believe is gonna be a pivotal year for Faith Assembly and he's taking us to places we've never gone before. Guys, we're at eight campuses. Get ready to be nine. It's just God's got some things for us we get to partner in it. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? This morning, I just believe God's awakening us. I want you right now all over this place, can we think about how he called you? Come on, think, think about where you were. Think about what you were. Think about how he caught, some of you it's been 20, 30 years since you thought about it. It's, you've been saved for a long time. Think about where you were. Think about how he changed you. Think about how he, how he called you, how he, how he made the difference in your life. Think, think about how he gave you grace when you didn't deserve it. He took every sin that you ever committed, the addictions, the pride, the, the pain, he, he took it all and, and he forgave it. Now just think about how he blessed you. How many of you have been blessed in here? He's blessed you more than you could ever know. Think about how he's blessed you. Now for just a moment, can we say, God, I'm ready. I need to be uncomfortable in my life. And I need to see the world as you see it. I need to love people like you love people because God, you created them with infinite value and worth and they have a destiny and purpose is waiting to be unlocked through your grace, blessing, and mercy. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.